Today, we are starting a brand new series called Spiritual Gifts. We talked a couple of weeks ago about the power and the person and the presence of the Holy Spirit. You might remember that we did that on Pentecost Sunday. Uh, that was just a couple of weeks ago. We took a little bit of a, a, a break. We didn't just continue right away because we celebrated graduation Sunday last Sunday. We heard a, a good word from Pastor Danny. We got to celebrate young people who were graduating you might think back a couple of Sundays ago, Pentecost Sunday is an opportunity for us to celebrate the sending of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we, we ended that opportunity a couple of Sundays ago, or that we ended that gathering with an opportunity for you to receive the baptism or the filling of the Holy Spirit. And that's actually something we want to continue to make a regular uh, practice here at Life Church. So if you came to church today and you're thinking, oh, Pentecost Sunday was a couple of weeks ago, now he's talking about the Holy Spirit and I missed the boat, now I, I got to wait until next Pentecost until someone will pray for me to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's not at all how that works, uh, and so we're going to make sure that we have an opportunity for you to, uh, to receive the fullness of what God has for you. That's actually one of the reasons we exist as a church, so that you would be able to experience the full life that God promised to each and every single one of us. Amen? Well, you might remember as we talk about uh, the the person and the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit that we, we looked at a scripture in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. I want to read that to you and then I want to invite you as you're listening over the next moment as we're just kind of setting the tone for the series that we're going to begin. I want to invite you to turn in your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We'll come to that in just a moment but as you're getting to 1 Corinthians 12, let me read to you Acts 1 8 because this is one of the things that Jesus says about the Holy Spirit. He said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, I told you we're starting a new series called Spiritual Gifts. So when we talk about spiritual gifts, what we're referring to is the ways in which God demonstrates that power through our lives and in our lives. Or maybe another way to talk about spiritual gifts, I heard one person define spiritual gifts as God-given abilities that release a Holy Spirit-empowered ministry. Uh, there's a ton of questions that people might ask, like, can I do ministry or, or, or be a Christian if I don't know if I'm filled with the Holy Spirit? And uh, we would say, yeah, certainly to be a Christian, all you need to do is put your faith in Jesus Christ, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you will be saved. But we also believe that the Holy Spirit baptism, that being filled with the Holy Spirit, which we believe is a distinct other event than salvation, we believe that that could happen at any moment, that the Holy Spirit comes on some people at the moment that they get saved. Other people ask for the Holy Spirit to fill their lives later on. And every single time what we see is that God's desire is for you to be completely filled with all of the fullness of himself. And one of the results of that fullness is what we're talking about during this series, that you would have spiritual gifts. And so one of my goals today is to set the tone for what we're going to talk about for the next several weeks. But you may or may not know this, there are three primary what we call gifts passages in the Bible, and they cover, depending on who's listing them and if they, you know, blend some of them together, about 19 distinct spiritual 
gifts. There are some other uh, places that might come up with 22 spiritual gifts, but again, some of the gifts, just depending on how they get blended together, some people think that uh, multiple gifts are kind of the same thing. So depending on who you ask, there's somewhere between 19 and 22 spiritual gifts. One of the passages of spiritual gifts is in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, specifically in verses 8 through 10. That's where we are going to begin our study today, and that's going to be the core text of this entire series. So we're going to come back around to that. Another gifts passage that we see is in Ephesians 4. This is a passage that we'll study in the fall when we pick up our series through the book of Ephesians. Again, we're going to pick it up right in Ephesians chapter 4. And in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul writes about what we refer to as the ministry gifts. These are the gifts of the apostle, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. Uh, some people refer to that as the five-fold ministry. Some people turn that into an acronym and call it the APEST gifts of the church. We're actually going to talk about that in the fall, so we won't dig into Ephesians 4, that gifts list today. Uh, and then another key gifts passage is in Romans chapter 12, specifically in verses 6 through 8. These are what are known as the motivational gifts. There are gifts like encouragement, giving, leadership, mercy, prophecy, service, and teaching. And we're going to find a time in the future at some point to study through those gifts as well. Uh, but again, like I said, we are going to dig into the gifts passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, which is a set of gifts that are referred to as the manifestation gifts. Now, if all of that was just context so that you know that there isn't just one place in the Bible where it talks about gifts, that's totally fine. If you remembered all of the different titles and categories, then you could probably get an A in the spiritual gifts class that I teach at the Bible College in San Dimas. Uh, we go through all of the different Greek words and the Hebrew words for gifts, and we talk about what did the Holy Spirit really mean when he talks about all the different kinds of gifts. We're not going to dig into the nitty-gritty of all of that, because today we're coming just to get an introduction into this spiritual gifts passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, Paul actually, uh, he, he sets this right into kind of the, the, the middle of a build-up towards something that you might really be familiar with. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it's known as the love chapter. So it's interesting that right before the passage where we talk about love in the Bible, Paul actually talks about spiritual gifts right before that. And then he comes back around to different kinds of gifts like tongues and prophecy after the love chapter. So just for context, spiritual gifts and the way we love one another are married to each other in Scripture. They are right up next to each other in Scripture. And so now I want you to listen. <clears throat> I want you to listen to how Paul writes about spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And listen for the list of gifts. I won't give you a pop quiz. I'll, I'll, I'll show you what they are after I read them. But listen for the list of gifts that Paul actually uh, maps out for us here. We'll start in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. He says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be unaware. So right off the bat, he's saying this is an important topic. Spiritual gifts isn't just something that we kind of put up on the shelf as a topic and say, well, we'll just, we'll just talk about that on Pentecost Sunday. We're going to make sure we actually understand this. Paul really wants us to make sure we are not unaware of this. He says, you know that when you were pagans, you used to be enticed and led astray by mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one is speaking by the Spirit of God, says uh, Jesus is. Therefore, I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is cursed. 
And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, there's a lot of theology in there. Uh, We will touch on a little bit of it today as we kickstart this series. But Paul actually goes on. He says, now there are different gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. And there are different activities, but the same God produces each gift in each person. A manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person for the common good. And now he gets into what these gifts actually are. In verse 8, he says, To one is given a message of wisdom through the Spirit, to another a message of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the performing of miracles, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, and to another interpretation of tongues. One and the same Spirit is active in all of these, distributing to each person as he wills. All right, so just so that we can catch what the list is here, Paul gives us nine gifts, and you could actually break them into three distinct categories. Paul doesn't do that work of breaking them into categories, but theologians and Bible uh, scholars have noticed some, uh, some themes and some categories that we could lump them into. Uh, so we might call these gifts of revelation, gifts of power, and then gifts of inspiration, Thank you, Pastor Mark. And then the nine gifts go like this. In this order, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, discernment of spirit, faith, miracles, healing, prophecy, tongues, and then interpretation of tongues. If you didn't memorize all of that, that's okay. Just keep coming back for the next several weeks because that's what we're going to be talking about. So if you've ever had questions about what are these things and how do they work in the church, this is your series. Over the course of the next several weeks, we are going to dig into each of those. But my goal today is just to answer this one simple question. Why does Paul want us to be aware of spiritual gifts? Because again, this isn't just some throwaway thing. We didn't have anything else to talk about right now. Paul actually really wants us to know this. But why? I think that you could draw out several reasons. I'll give you three reasons today why studying about spiritual gifts is important. Let's go with number one. Spiritual gifts keep us rooted in truth. Spiritual gifts keep us rooted in truth. Have you seen the news? Have you ever uh, read or, or done any studying about the different religions in the world? Did you know that Christianity is not the only religion? Did you know that there are a lot of different opinions about the state of the world and what truth is? And uh, we, we are so wrapped up in what is and is not truth that we're coming up with terms like fake news just to classify a whole category of stuff that we've decided is not the truth. And then tomorrow we'll come up with a whole new list of other things that are real and fake news. There's tons of opinions out there. There's lots of truth to be found out there. I remember my youth pastor back in the day, he said, you always have to know how to distinguish between lowercase and capital T truth. 
right? He would say capital T truth is the stuff that you find in the word and lowercase truth is just about everything else and it's flippant and flimsy and it'll, people will change their minds about it as time goes on. But there are a lot of ideas about truth out there. There's a lot of uh, what we might even say uh, false teachings or, or different religions out there in the world. There's even been a lot of people who claim to have spiritual power or heavenly power or kingdom power, uh, but they are by no means people of God. Just as a side note, we'll talk about, we'll probably talk about demons at some point during this series, because you, if you can't talk about spiritual gifts and not talk about how spiritual gifts empower us to have victory over the demonic. Just to set the tone, when we talk about demons, it'll be in the context of how we win. But, but I do think that it's important that we start off by saying those guys are real. There is power out there. It's just all the power that isn't God's power is less than. It's very important that we set the tone and understand that. But let's not fool ourselves in thinking that there's God and then nothing else exists outside of God. No, there's a lot of stuff out there that claims to be God or from God that absolutely isn't. In fact, Paul reminds his audience that before salvation, they also were fooled by false gods. Listen again in verse 2. He says, you know that when you were pagans, you used to be enticed and led astray by mute idols. I mean, you were on Facebook all the time. Constantly being dragged and led astray by all of the different teachings and ideas. But, but I think we have to also come to terms with the fact that, that false gods and idols are not the only problem. There, there's also false teaching that's found its way into the church. Acts chapter 20 verse 3 says, Men will rise up even from your own number and distort the truth to lure the disciples into following them. Therefore, be on alert. And 2 Corinthians chapter 11, so this is the next letter that Paul writes to the people in, in Corinth. Uh, in verse 11, starting in verse 1, Paul says, I, I hope you'll put up with me with a little bit more of my foolishness. Please bear with me. He's like, I'm, I'm going to go on and on about this. Just give me another minute here. He says, for I'm jealous for you with the jealousy of God himself. I promised you as a pure bride to the one husband, Christ. In other words, Paul's saying, I took responsibility for your spiritual maturity, so I really need you to listen to what I'm about to say. This is really, really important because if you are immature, then when I stand before God, that's going to be on my shoulders to a certain extent. And so I really need you to hear this. He says, but I fear that somehow your pure and undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupted just as Eve was deceived by the cunning ways of the serpent. He gives an example. He says, you happily put up with whatever anyone tells you, even if they preach a different Jesus than the one we preach or a different kind of scripture than the one you received or a different kind of gospel than the one you believed. We could put this into modern context, and I could probably go on and on about all of the different ways that we hear all kinds of different false teachings and how so many of us remain silent because we're afraid to get canceled or to make an enemy or we don't know how to have a conversation and, and maintain friendships and all of the different reasons why we don't. But I just want you to understand, this is not a new problem that we're facing in the church. All the way back in Paul's day, he saw that there were false teachings even in the church. We were supposed to be on alert, be aware 
aware, know the difference between truth and the lie. We'll talk a little bit about how we can do that in just a second, but we are supposed to know the difference between truth and everything else. And Paul says, you should be able to say something about it. You, sh you should be able to say something about it, right? Or at the very least, you should be able to resist it. Stand on the solid rock of the word of God and know that's truth, that's not truth, and I'm not letting anything other than truth lead and guide my life. Right? Paul says, but you happily put up with whatever anyone tells you. We should be careful. Paul was deeply concerned that the people of God would be fooled and led astray. But the good news, the good news is that spiritual gifts are not just about having power. They are also about knowing truth. They help us to be rooted in truth. Now, I want to be really clear about this. When we talk about spiritual power, we, attend, we tend to imagine just the demons that I mentioned a minute ago. And, and I grew up in, in Pentecostal churches. I grew up in this church. We talked about demons a fair amount and we talked about forces of darkness and all of that. We tend to have this imagination of, of demons and curses when we talk about spiritual power. But I want you to understand, lies are just as much a powerful force in our world as demons themselves. And lies are running amok. So many people don't even know what truth is about all kinds of issues. Lies are dangerous. Paul was concerned. There was a concern about demonic oppression and possession in Scripture. Absolutely. Jesus ministered deliverance to people. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, we have the authority to deliver people as well when we see demonic oppression and possession. Absolutely. We want to learn how to engage in helping people become more free in all kinds of ways. But Paul here seems to be concerned with the power of lies and false teachings in the context of, of setting people up to understand the importance of spiritual gifts. He talks about lies and false teachings. He thought that spiritual gifts would help the early church understand the truth and withstand the lies of their day. And I think that we are in desperate need of the same power in 2022. Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus about the results of healthy engagement uh, in Ephesians chapter 4. We'll come back, like I said, in the fall to actually study this in depth. But in Ephesians 4, he says this is what it would look like if you were actually healthy, healthily engaged in spiritual gifts. He says, then you will no longer be immature like children. Anybody want to be immature like a child? Don't raise your hand. Just don't. It would be the thing that the immature childlike person would do, but don't do that. The goal here should be that we want to grow up and be more mature. He says, then if we engage in spiritual gifts, then we won't be tossed and blown around by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever, they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. Now, let me give you an example of this, because I, I want to be really, really clear about this. It, it would be easy for you to assume that what I'm getting at is, man, there's so many political opinions out there, and you really got to know the truth. Or there's so many conspiracy theories out there, and you really got to know the truth. And, and Paul's not concerned with your politics or your conspiracy theories. He's, he's concerned with whether or not you know the truth of the word of God. 
So an example of this would be, you know, there's, there's people who would say, well, you know, you can kind of just do whatever you want with your life, and then just at the end of the day, or like on your deathbed, just pray a prayer of salvation, and you know, nothing that you really do matters, because the grace of God is so abundant that His grace will win, His love will win no matter what, and everyone will eventually get to heaven because God's love is so good no matter what you have done. And that... I've heard some deliveries of, of impassioned speeches about the love of God that wins ultimately everything always and everybody will get to heaven ultimately. I've heard some speeches that I've listened to and I thought, man, that almost sounds good. I mean, that was really clever the way that you pulled on the heartstrings because, of course, a, a good God is going to let everybody into his good heaven. That almost sounds true, except it's not. Because heaven is meaningless. Love is meaningless unless it's chosen by everybody. And if you hate God and therefore live according to your own standard, then you don't love God. I heard one theologian say one time, God will let everyone into heaven who could absolutely stand to be in God's presence for eternity. Everybody gets to go if you could stand to be in God's presence. And so now there's a standard. Will you stand to be in God's presence? How do we know that you'll stand to be in God's presence? You submit your life to the King of Kings. How do I know that you've submitted your life to the King of Kings? Well, James tells us that faith without works is dead. If your life hasn't changed in some way because of the work and the love of Jesus in your life, through your life, and for your life, then you probably didn't have meaningful faith when you said the words. The good news is the grace of God does exist. For as long as you're alive, you get to say the words and mean it and have that change your life even today. But what we won't do is stand for the lie that says ultimately everyone, no matter what they've done, will get to heaven. Because if that was true, then love is meaningless. So it's important that we know the truth so we can dismantle lies and stand on the truth. Amen? Okay, so let's get back on track. Uh, gifts, for example, like spiritual gifts like words of wisdom or prophecy or interpretation of tongues. We'll talk about the, these gifts during this series. These are powerful tools for knowing the truth in a world full of lies. Prophecy in its simplest form, we've broken it down like this at Life Church a lot. If you say, what is prophecy? We've said things like prophecy is saying what God is saying. To say what God is saying, that's prophecy. Doesn't it follow that if you're saying what God is saying that you would know the truth in a world full of lies? So spiritual gifts help us to be rooted in truth. This is why we minister the way that we do here at Life Church, Because we could easily spend so much energy pointing out all of the lies and false teachings around us. I mean, I pastored through the last two years. I could easily spend all of my energy pointing out all of the lies and the false teachings that are all around us. But what a disservice I would do to you. What, what a disservice. If we spent all of our energy being hyper-focused on lies. Because what that actually would result in is people who fail to know the truth. They would just know how to make a really good rant about a lie. There's an old illustration. Maybe you've heard this illustration. Forgive me if this is an old and tired illustration. But it's a good one. If you wanted to learn how to work with, with currency and spot counterfeit currency, 
Do you know that the training for that job, say that's like with the FBI and you wanted to find people who are counterfeiting US currency. Do you know that in the training for that job, what they won't do is put you in a room full of all of the counterfeit bills and ask you to familiarize yourself with all of the counterfeits so that when you spot a counterfeit, you go, oh yeah, I was just hanging out with that bill on Tuesday. They won't do that. Because what they know is that this, the system of, of the world, the counterfeiters are constantly coming up with new ways to counterfeit. And so if you familiarize yourself with all of the counterfeit bills that exist in 2022, by 2023, there's new counterfeit bills. There's new ways to counterfeit. And so instead, what they do in the training is they sit you in a room with the real thing. You hold it. You stare at it. You put it under a light. You watch the process. How is it made? What processes does it go through to get made? What does it feel like when you're holding it in your hand? What does it look like when you hold it in a dark room, in a dimly lit room, in a well-lit room, under a spotlight, under a blue light? What does it look like under all kinds of different scenarios in every different kind of environment? Because then, no matter what environment you're in, you can tell the difference between the real thing and the fake thing, not because you know all of the fake stuff so well, but because you know the real thing so well. And the same should be true in the church. Spiritual gifts empower us to know the real thing. To keep us rooted in truth. So why does Paul want us to study spiritual gifts? So that you would know the truth. Because what does truth do? It sets you free. It sets other people free. Right? And we spend so much time Oh, I got to know all of the false teachings that are out there in the church. I got I to gotta know all of the things that the opponents of God are saying about God so I can refute all of their lies. I had some friends who, oh my goodness, all they ever wanted to do was debate people into the kingdom. Ugh. A.W. Tozer once said, an argument won is a soul lost. So don't waste our time. Let's not waste our time focusing on the lies and the false. Let's be filled with the Spirit. And through the spiritual gifts, we come to know more of the truth. I want to be very, very clear here. What I did not just tell you is that spiritual power and spiritual gifts is a substitute for good Bible study. What I said, the implication of what I said and what scripture teaches us is that spiritual power, spiritual gifts should drive us to good Bible study, right? Should drive us to know more of the truth and should be the measurement of our spiritual gifts as well. Everything is measured, rises and falls on scripture. This is a sealed document. It cannot change and it cannot mean what it doesn't mean. And so we measure our spiritual gifts by this, and all of our spiritual gifts drives us, drive us back to this. So when we talk about prophecy in a few weeks, we're going to remind ourselves that you can never have a prophecy from God that doesn't agree with what is written in this book. And that's one of the ways that you measure whether or not you have heard or delivered a prophecy from God. So how do you know if you have a good prophecy? Study the word. 
Spiritual gifts are designed to keep us rooted to truth. The second reason Paul would want us to study Scripture, and specifically the spiritual gifts, uh, is because spiritual gifts keep us diversified and unified. It's an appropriate thing to talk about after what we were praying about a few minutes ago uh, today on Father's Day and all of the diverse ways that we engage a day like today and Juneteenth and all of the diverse ways that we engage a day like today. We come at today with all kinds of different experiences. Well, we come into the kingdom with all kinds of different experiences, and it turns out that in the kingdom, God will give us all kinds of different gifts. Why? Because we are all kinds of different people. Think again about 1 Corinthians chapter 4 verses 12 uh, chapter 12 verses 4 through 5 what Paul said now there are different gifts but the same spirit there are different ministries but the same Lord man if you were in my spiritual gifts class at Life Pacific University I would take a whole class session just to break down the original language of the different gifts and the different ministries and all of the different original words what Paul is really saying here can I just tell you this is so robust and dynamic what Paul is saying about spiritual gifts in our lives but what is he doing he's rooting all of the different dynamic ways that spiritual gifts present themselves in and through the people of God He's rooting all of that in the one true God. In fact, he goes on later, after listing the nine gifts of the Spirit that he lists in this passage in verse 12, he says, the human body has many parts. I love this metaphor. This is one of Paul's most powerful metaphors in Scripture, I I think. He says, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. Everybody think about your right thumb. It's different than your right big toe. If, one, if you don't have one of those body parts, then you're missing something. Uh, depending on how charismatic you're feeling today, maybe someone in the room wants to pray that it grows back. That'd be awesome. But you're missing something today, how you're sitting. If you're, if you're missing a part of the body of Christ, you're also missing something. Paul's trying to prove a point. Man, I really want you to be whole and full. And, and, and you, you're not going to get that just in yourself. We'll come back around to that point in a second. But he says, so it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some of us are Gentiles, and some are slaves, and some are free. But we have all been baptized into the one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Who is that? The Holy Spirit of God. How did we get access to the Holy Spirit of God? By placing our faith in Christ Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And Jesus kept the promise that he said he would keep. He said, I will send the Holy Spirit to you. And then what did Acts chapter 1 verse 8 say? Once you receive the Holy Spirit, you will have power. To do what? To be witnesses. So the followers of Jesus are like a body. We're very diverse. But we're all unified in Christ. Look around the room for a second. Look around the room for a second. We're very diverse. I love this about life, church. You don't all look like me. Praise God. Just a bunch of nerdy white people. So thankful. We don't all look like Tim. This is what heaven will be like. And so we should learn to live in the culture of heaven now. 
We're very diverse as a people of God, but we all share one thing in common. We are saved under the banner of the name of Jesus Christ, and we get to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and that gives us gifts. So again, even in our coming into the kingdom in diversity, we are unified in Christ, and then we're made diverse all over again, because God says, all of you diverse, unified people, I'm going to make you diverse by giving you all kinds of different gifts, and mixes of gifts, and blends of gifts. I love the way Paul talks about this. He says, some of you will get a gift of tongues and somebody else by the same spirit will get a gift of prophecy. I love how diverse this is. And I love that God doesn't say if you're 6'2", you get to prophesy. And if you're 5'11", then tongues is for you. Once you get a certain dollar amount, then words of wisdom are your gift. And once you get over a certain age, words of knowledge, that's your bag. No, he just says, as he sees fit, the Holy Spirit is a real person with a real personality, with a real will and real, real desires, and he knows your heart better than yours. So he knows the gifts that you need and the gifts that you would be such a blessing to the world if you would engage. So he'll give you the gifts that he wants. But I want you to understand, Paul's actually making an incredibly important claim here. In fact, he's making two, at least two. The, the teacher in me could say he's probably making 10. But let's just look at two points real quick. First point, we've touched on this a little bit. There is only one God, regardless of how many expressions of power that he gives. There is only one God. Polytheism is the belief in multiple gods, and it was very common at the time that Paul wrote these words. So in the early church, there was a temptation to look at all of the different ways that people were being gifted and, and the temptation was, well, maybe that's a different God who's given you that gift. There's the God of prophecy and the God of tongues, the God of wisdom and the God of knowledge. If there's different gifts, then maybe there's different gods giving each of those different gifts. And Paul pushes back against that belief and says, nope, regardless of how each of us are gifted, I'm telling you, I'm making it plain for you, all of the manifold, very different kinds of gifts all come from the one same Oh, who, by the way, presents himself to us and exists in reality in three distinct persons while all being the same God. And if you can understand that, then you're one of them. None of us understand how it works. We just know from Scripture that this is how God presents himself. Three in one. We call that the Trinity. And that three in one God gives many different kinds of gifts, however he sees fit, through the work of the Holy Spirit for those that are filled with his presence. The second thing that we need to understand that I think Paul would want us to understand and the way that he wrote this is that there is a difference between unity and uniformity. There's a difference between unity and uniformity. Unity says we're all in this together, like that good old high school musical song. Fresh in my mind because my kids watched it yesterday. I got up and walked out of the room, but they were playing it so loud I could still hear it from my bedroom. We're all in this together, but we don't all look the same. We don't all come from the same place. We don't all act the same. We don't all think the same. Can I tell you that we can be in unity and not even vote the same? I know that sounds heretical for modern Americans, but did you know that we can actually vote for different people and still be a part of the same kingdom? Could you imagine if unity required uniformity? 
Think about all of the ways that you're awesome. Okay, enough of that. Now think about the ways that you're human. Think about the ways that you're less than awesome, the ways that you fail. If we were all like you, <laughs> trouble. I'm so thankful that my wife and I in our marriage can be united but not uniform. Because I bring something to our parenting that Sharon doesn't bring to our parenting. I bring something into our marriage that Sharon doesn't bring into our marriage. And if we both were required to be uniform and bring the exact same thing, our marriage would be half as good as it is. Probably also struggle half as much because I bring a lot of that. But you get to be distinctly, uniquely, beautifully, wonderfully yourself in the kingdom of God. Unified under the name of Jesus, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, given gifts that are diverse just like we are diverse. I love also that Paul said some of us are Jews and some of us are Gentiles. He didn't say some of you were Jews and were Gentiles. You don't have to lay your ethnic background at the door when you enter into the kingdom of heaven. We are, unif we are unified, we are united. Marcus and I can stand up here, and, and I don't know if you noticed it. I, I don't know if you noticed it. the pigmentation of our skin is not the same. And that's not just about Marcus is, a really, is good at tanning. It, it, it's actually a representation of a beautiful heritage and legacy and story that Marcus brings to the stage, just like he brings everywhere else that he goes. And he should be proud of that and should be fully free to be himself within the kingdom, just like I should be able to be proud of who God made me to be and be fully myself in the kingdom. The problem is that we are so wrapped up in trying to be uniformed in this world today. We are so wrapped up and everybody has to be the same. Otherwise, we will just kick you right out of society that we've lost the beauty of diversity that is unified under the name of Jesus Christ. I do not want Marcus to look or think or act like me. I need him to be distinctly unique and himself because I'm better when he's around. And my job as a brother in Christ to Marcus is to do everything I can to hope that he would say the same thing about me. We're unified. We don't have to be uniform. And then once we've got that figured out, good. Jesus will probably just come back. But, um, but, but then we should, we should probably also celebrate all of the different kinds of diversity that we have. Paul wants us to understand all of the spiritual gifts, not just our cultural background, but also our giftings. All of the different ways that we are good at stuff that the person sitting next to you is not good at. There are some ways that you are just naturally gifted because God designed you to be that way. And there are other gifts that God will give you that are supernatural and spiritual gifts that God wants you to have. And I think this is really, really important. As we remember who it is that gives us the gift, we remain humble in our being gifted, right? But we also remember that God gave Larry gifts that I don't have so that what I can really remember is the true gift is the relationship, not just the power. I want Larry Saltzman to step into the fullness of his spiritual gifts because one day I'm going to need the gifts that God gave Larry 
And rather than going, God, make me perfect in all of the ways that I am not perfect so I can never need anybody and I can show the world how I stand on my own two feet. I can be a member of the body of Christ and say, right now, I need a Larry. Because he's uniquely made and gifted to be something that I am not. And the true treasure of the kingdom is the relationships I have, first with God and then with my brothers and sisters in Christ. And the third thing that Paul would say about why he wants us to study spiritual gifts is just right off of the back of that is because spiritual gifts help the helpers. In verse 6, Paul says, a manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person for the common good. And the, the New Living Translation says it like this, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. So we can help each other. Spiritual gifts are not trophies for super Christians. I think this is the warning that Paul would want us to have. They're meant to be used. Spiritual gifts are, are, are not simply the, the, the knickknacks that you put on your shelf and go, look, remember that time I prayed and God gave me the gift of prophecy? Man, that was such a great day. I remember that. It's too bad I'd never prophesy anymore. Look, it, it, the purpose. Verse 6, look at it again. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. Well, you can't help a person with a gift that you don't know how to use or that you just refuse to use because you're afraid to, for someone to look at you and go, weirdo. <laughs> I remember a time I was on staff at this church. It was before I was a senior pastor. So I was, a, I was a young, an actual young man, not a man in my late 30s pretending to be young, but an actual young man. And Paul Smith, who's right over there, is an elder in our church. And I remember in that ministry room, we were doing a, a prayer gathering. And, and Paul looked at me and he said, Tim, the Lord is saying to you right now, there are gifts that God has given you that you've put on the shelf and you're not using. And it's time to take those gifts off the shelf and start to use them. And it was true. I knew exactly what he was talking about as well. And so I went away and I prayed and asked God, give me some insight and some wisdom on how I can begin in a humble way to begin to engage in those gifts. And I began to engage in some of the gifts that I had put up on the shelf and my ministry in church and my life in general just suddenly began to become more effective. And I love that story as a good reminder because Paul was using his gift to help me And what was the result? I began to use my gifts. I I, I love the way that using your gifts makes everybody's ship rise. Everybody gets better if we would just use our spiritual gifts. I think a lot of the problem in a lot of American churches, and, and believe me, I grew up in this culture, and I've pastored in this culture for about a decade now, so if you need to point any fingers, I'm in the tribe of people who have created the problem that I'm about to point to. But in a lot of churches in America, we come and we sit and we watch a person use their gifts. And then that makes the person using the gift feel so good about how they were watched using their gift. And sometimes even say amen and clap. Oh, that's a good use of your gift, pastor. Way to go. Thanks for using your gift in front of me. I really appreciate that. And then the pastor goes, man, that made me feel so good. Come back next week and watch me use my gift again. And what we've actually done is we've created a cycle that forces you to not learn your gifts, 
let alone use your gifts, because a lot of pastors, if I'm really honest, and this is my club, so I get to talk about the tribe I'm in, but a lot of us, we're just afraid that if you really start using your gifts, you find out how much you don't actually really need us every week. Because what you really need is Jesus and to be gifted and to be a gift in the world. And the irony is that we're so afraid that our churches would close if you would be gifted. And yet if you read the book of Acts, the more people that use their gifts, the faster the church grew. Maybe more pastors need to just say, hey, I'm sorry that I made you come and listen to me use my gifts so much. Why don't you get out of here and go use your gifts? Which is why this is the last point of my sermon. I'll give you a quote, and then we'll pray. J.R. Michaels, who was a professor of theology, he was a, a Foursquare pastor. Um, he was a contributing editor, actually, to the New Living Translation of the Bible. Um, he once wrote, clearly, about this passage, clearly Paul was a charismatic person. Yet the thrust of his argument in 1 Corinthians is to channel the charismatic experiences of his readers in such a way as to make them better servants of each other in the body of of Christ. Here's what he's saying. Power is great. What we really want is for the power to drive you in a direction, first to the word, then to each other. It would be great if the church would be good at using the gifts to what end? To help each other. Paul wants us to study the gifts of the Spirit because they help the helpers. They help us do a part of our job to love each other well. The spiritual gifts are not simply about power. They are the grease that makes the gears and the joints work. God, help us to be people filled with your spirit. Help us to be people who know the gifts of the spirit, desire the gifts of the spirit. I want to share with you briefly four ways that you can respond to this message. One of them is going to remain on the screen for you after this message. One of them is going to be something that you can do right now. And two of them are going to be things that you can go do later. So first, be filled with the Holy Spirit as you sit in a moment of prayer in your seat. Are you filled with the Spirit of God? Are you a Christian? Are you a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus? Have you given your life to his kingdom? If not, it's, it's as simple as this. The Bible says, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you will be saved. And then scripture teaches us that the Holy Spirit is a gift sent by Jesus to anyone who would receive the fullness of the Spirit of God and he will gift you, manifest his power in and through your life. And so it's simply this, you have been offered incredible gifts by God that begin with salvation and also the fullness of the Spirit of God. And all you need to do is say, God, I believe and I receive your gifts today. I put my faith in you save my life and fill my life. I'm going to ask when I'm, when I'm done in a moment, I'm going to dismiss you from this room. And I'm going to ask Marcus and Pastor Mark, would you guys just, two of you, just be up here in the front. Just If anybody needs to pray about what I just said, 
want to talk about any, that with anybody. Elizabeth Curtis, I'm going to ask you to come up here. Paul and Rhonda, will you come up as well? Just when I'm done, just you guys come up and just be available. There'll be some people up here available for you to pray if you need to talk or pray about that in any way. Another way that we respond. And this is going to sound super practical, but man, is it important to say, make plans to join us for the rest of this series. Come to church. Be a part of the community. Don't miss out. We're talking about life-changing stuff every single Sunday. Come and be a part. And if we talk about a gift that you don't have, it's good that you know about it so you know how others can be a gift and you can be a part of the kingdom of heaven and the local church. Another thing that you can do as you walk out of here is you can begin to pray this prayer every day. God, show me how I am gifted and give me opportunities to be a gift to somebody else. That prayer again goes like this. God, show me how I am gifted. In fact, would you pray this prayer with me even right now? God, show me how I am gifted and give me opportunities to be a gift to somebody else. God, would you answer that prayer for us this week? Would you answer that prayer for us even beginning today? Thank you, Lord. I'm going to pray a closing prayer, and I'm going to say amen. And then I'm going to tell you the fourth way that you can respond to this because it's so incredibly practical. I want to make sure that we close this moment in prayer before we get to it. But God, we've covered a lot of ground today. We've, we've introduced a series. We've, we've ran through a lot of scripture. But ultimately, God, we've put our focus on you, celebrated what you're doing in and through our church. And we've looked into your word. And I pray today as we close this moment that there would be something that we walk out of this place with that lingers in our hearts and minds. God, would you change our lives by your word? Would you fill our lives with your spirit? And would you use our lives by the gifts that you have given us? Not so that we can get any of the credit, but so that we can be a part of growing your kingdom and start in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Before you go, the fourth and final way that you can respond to this message is exactly like this. On the screen, you should be able to see a QR code, and there is a, a, a URL to go to giftstest.com. That website is so easy, you just remember it right now, or you can scan that QR code from the screen uh, behind me. If you go to giftstest.com, I took this assessment last night just to make sure it was any good. It was 66 questions, it took me five minutes to complete it, and the results I got, pretty accurate. So here's how I would encourage you. Go take this test. It's just 66 multiple choice questions, and they'll even email you your spiritual gifts results. So if you walk out of here and you go, I don't even know what my spiritual gifts are, be, pray, take a test, uh, uh, this simple assessment, and then pray again. God, are these the gifts that you have given me? God, if, this is, if these are the gifts, would you confirm that for me? If you have questions, send us an email, info at avlife.church, and you can ask questions about the spiritual gifts that you have or that you think you might have, or what do I do with these spiritual gifts? And then if you have a question about a spiritual gift, just come every week for the next several weeks, and you'll hear the rest of this series, and we're going to cover all of this ground. Have you heard something good today? Have you been blessed? Are you going to go be a blessing? Good. 
All right. Well, thanks for staying with us. Thanks for celebrating with us the way that you have uh, today. God bless you. We will see you Wednesday night for our week, midweek gathering and again next Sunday as we continue to talk about the gifts of the Spirit. God bless. Make sure you give some hugs on your way out the door. Make some friends. Hug some people. Love on your family. We'll see you next week.